Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Great. Thanks, Judy, very much indeed. Uh, What I'd like us to do um, is to work together uh, around the passage. So you need it open uh, in front of you. If you you haven't got your own Bible with you, then grab one from in front of you, uh, or a Bible in the pew, perhaps that that screen with the page number on. We can leave that up. That might be really helpful um, if we can. That'd be superb. You need the words there in front of you so you can see what's what's going on. This is a, um, a fantastic passage. Uh, to preach on, and, uh, but I'm going to resist for the greater good this morning. The trouble with our dependence on preachers and teachers is it subtly speaks to us that uh, we need someone else to help us in God's Word. I, I want us to get into it directly uh, this morning uh, and to see that if you were uh, opening this passage uh, by yourself, that God can speak to you. And, uh, and touch you. Uh, and that's part of our, our discipleship journey, that, that uh, we, we handle God's word personally our, ourselves. And we're going we're gonna to use soap, which is our way of helping us get into the Bible and to allow it to speak to us and uh, change our, our lives. And uh, we, we did this at Christmas time, and I had probably the most encouraging letter afterwards that I've ever had in the 24 years here about what it did to someone in helping them get in touch with uh, reading the Bible for themselves. So it's worth it. If you feel shortchanged, then there are 600 and something sermons of mine online. You can listen to one of those when you get home, okay? If you're feeling like somehow it hasn't been fair and you, you, you want your offering money back and stuff, you know, because that's not what you came for. Uh, um, so think of it like a self-service checkout, you know, when you actually have to pick up the stuff and go and pay for it yourself and no one helps you. It's, it's a bit like that this morning, okay? So we're, we're doing the express self-checkout queue. Okay, we're in Luke chapter 24 and uh, verse 13, and uh, it, it's the most amazing encounter that these people have that changes their lives. Uh, and what we do when we come to God's Word, so what you do, I would encourage you in your own personal space, is that you sat down, you've opened up your, your heart before the Lord, you've opened up the Scripture, you've read a passage, perhaps like the one that we've just had uh, this morning. If you're always unsure what passage to read each day, then on our website we have a series of Bible readings for every single day of the year. We have a, a, a very fast, super-duper reader's version. For those of you who uh, want to read the whole Bible and the New Testament twice in a year. Uh, and at, right at the other end of the spectrum, for me, we have like a slow readers group, uh, uh, which I'm in. And uh, I can read a little bit. And if I've got a bit more time, I can read a little bit more and read a little bit more. And over the sweep of the year, it will take me through the themes of the Bible as well. So at different, diff- and there's various ones in the middle. So if you've never found that, never used that, then maybe as you get into a new rhythm for the autumn, that could be there for you. But you might have lots of other aids or um, uh, readings that you, that you turn to. That's absolutely fine. 
The only question I would ask of you in those moments is do you end up spending more time reading someone's notes about the Bible than you do actually reading the Bible yourself? That's my tendency if I use Bible reading notes, especially if you're short of time. You can reduce the reading down to the key verse and then read what the human being has to say and then go off into your day and tick and you feel good because you've done it. Anyone with me? So that's the danger. So we want to get into God's word. We want to go straight to it. We want to allow it to speak to us. So we've got our scripture in terms of what we're going to read, uh, uh, Luke chapter uh, 24. Uh, and what we're, what we're doing as we begin to read it again is to begin to ask questions of the text, of the scripture, in a way that helps me hear what God would say to me today. And the brilliant thing about this passage is that God will say different things to us this morning from the same set of verses because there's always something for God to say to us. So, as we read it, we read asking questions. So we, we begin to observe what's actually going on. And uh, I'm going to spend five or six minutes doing that out loud, uh, externally processing it, so that you can understand what I'm talking about. But then what we'll do is perhaps we'll turn to one another and just begin to share, okay, what bit began to stick out for me as I read the passage asking questions of it? All good? Great. Now, not now, that's what it says, that's the first word, now. Now, that same day. What day? This is resurrection day. Yes, this is resurrection day. But these guys are not experiencing resurrection. So I'm beginning to... Whoa, there's, resurrection has happened, but these guys are not living in what's just happened. Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles away. And uh, given that they eventually went into a house and had a meal, perhaps they were going back home. Uh, and they're on the disappointing journey home. Have you ever suffered a disappointment and all you wanted to do was to get home? They're making their way home, back to what they think might be safe, back to the familiar, back to what they know. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And what we'll see as we go a bit further through the, through the passage, they're talking about their sense of disappointment. It hasn't turned out as they imagined is there any area in your life where it hasn't turned out as you imagined? Well, suddenly, this passage 2,000 years ago is speaking to every single person in the room. Are you with me? There isn't any of us here that hasn't faced that reality of, I, I just want to go back to the familiar because this just hasn't worked out the way I'd hoped, the way I'd dreamed, the way I'd planned. And as they were talking, they discussed these things with each other. Uh, I, I wonder whether it's, um, whether it's a, a man and his wife. We don't know in which case they discussed these things with each other. It meant the wife talked a lot and the husband just went, mm, 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 all the way home. But nevertheless, we don't know. That's conjecture. That's not actually there. So that's probably not the spirit. That's more to do with me than what's actually in the, in the passage. But they were kept from recognizing him. Is there a disappointment in your life where you, as a result, you no longer recognize what God is doing? Hey, I've been there, haven't you? There's a disappointment and we think God's messed up, God's given up, God's not on the move. This is resurrection day, remember. This is the same day Jesus is alive. But in my experience, I can't see him. I can't, I can't see what he's doing. I can't see where he is. I, I, I think he's left the party. What keeps me from recognizing Jesus? And Jesus comes along 
And what does Jesus do? He asks a question. Jesus was always asking questions. The greatest discipleship tool we have in helping other people is to ask questions. We want to tell people, but Jesus always asked questions. Where do I need to ask more questions? Can you remember um, a few weeks ago, or was it last week, you get confused, when we did um, the, the Wednesday meal, What's Up Wednesday, uh, because I wanted them all to follow the, uh, uh, the thing. Claire thought I was being stupid, and I was. Uh, but we were asking, what's up in people's lives? Are there some questions that I need to ask of the people that are around me, or do I live with my head down and my eyes and my ears closed? Jesus asked a question of them. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Isn't that true when we're downcast? We think the whole world should know. Jerusalem carried on without a blink, many of them perhaps. And yet for them it was like their whole world had come to, uh, had come to a, a crushing end. Jesus asks another question. Jesus knew the answer to these questions, didn't he? But he asks another question. He's helping them open up to what's going on in their hearts. When we tell people what we think, even if it's true, we close them down. When we ask people questions, we open them up. What things, he asked. And they go on about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers. There's a sense of responsibility, the people we'd trusted, the people that we thought knew best, the people that we'd looked up to, the people that in our hierarchy, in our social structure, were the ones that that were the, 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 the lead bearers. Our rulers handed him over. There's lots going on there, isn't there? The people that you trusted the boss that you trusted, the family member that you trusted, the parent that you trusted, the church leader that you trusted, the whatever, the people that you looked up to, a level of disappointment in those that you uh, perhaps expected something different from or or better from, uh, and they crucified him. But we had hoped our plan, what I wanted, what we wanted, was that he was the one going to redeem Israel, i.e., We wanted him to kick out the Romans. That's what we were expecting. We were expecting him to put Israel back on the map, but he hasn't done that. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. And they're remembering, aren't they, some promises. There's some vague recollection in their minds. Didn't Jesus say something about the third day? In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. That's never very helpful, is it? When you're disappointed and pretty fed up with God and someone comes along with a wacky vision about angels and goodness knows what else. Who needs friends like that? You with me? But there they are. Different experiences right there. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Suddenly, these these. Two on the journey have, have opened up their hearts. They've, they, they've got in touch with their disappointments, with their frustrations, with their lack of faith now, with their bewilderment, with all that's really going on in, inside of them. And that Jesus begins to speak. How foolish you are. That's quite a tough thing to hear, isn't it? I, I think I would have said, I'm so sorry that you've gone through all that. And Jesus goes, how foolish you are. It, it's, a, it's a wonderful balance of inviting into relationship by asking the question and challenging around the truth. Were they foolish? Yes, of course. Were they ready to hear it? 
Who knows? How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. It's a pretty tough thing for you to hear Jesus say, isn't it? How foolish you are and how slow you've been. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? A question again. Did not? What do you think about that? Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then I think the most annoying, frustrating verse in the whole of the New Testament. Right here. And beginning with Moses, right at the beginning of the Old Testament, and all the prophets... He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Who would not have wanted to have listened to that? (laughs) Jesus explaining why he's there, represented in every page of the Old Testament. What? You could become a theological professor if you knew what he said. Wow. So I can look for Jesus in the Old Testament. And when I look, I find him there. It's an amazing thing. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. This is interesting, isn't it? little kind of social dance going on. If I act that I'm about to go just before tea time, will the people I'm with give me tea? (laughs) That's one side of the social dance. The other side of the social dance is, this is a bit awkward, it's nearly tea time, we're starving, we're about to eat, and they haven't gone yet. (laughs) Should we invite them in? Or you could look at the whole thing much more positively in that culture about the rhythm of hospitality. They did what their natural rhythms instinctively would call them to do. So they fell back on the rhythms they knew. Uh, And their rhythm of hospitality for a traveller was something that they knew. Are there rhythms in our lives that sustain us when emotionally and spiritually we're not in a great place? This rhythm of hospitality actually was to turn out to be a doorway to an incredible encounter. Can you imagine the end of this story if they'd gone, see you mate, we're in for our fish and chips or whatever it is and Jesus walked up the away. But no, there was, a, there was something about that natural rhythm of hospitality maybe. Are there some natural rhythms that sustain us even when we're not in a great place? Are there things that we've learnt to do in the light that we keep doing in times of darkness? For example, getting up to read your Bible and pray really sustains you. When it gets dark, we tend to stop that because it's harder work. So are there rhythms that we've learned in the light that need to sustain us when the days are dark? So they invited him in. Perhaps that was their rhythm. They were hospitable people. And he went in and they stayed with him. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. It's amazing, isn't it? Gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. There was something in that moment that enabled them suddenly to realize that Jesus had been there all the while. That Jesus was true to who he said he was. Who today needs a moment like that? When suddenly you realize that in all your disappointment, all your frustration, all your slow walk home, because it hasn't worked out, that Jesus has been there the whole while, and he's still there and they recognized him and they wanted to grab hold of him I'm sure and suddenly he's gone from their sight 
And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? That's perspective, isn't it? That's hindsight. As we look back, gosh, I can see now. I can see my my heart was pounding when he was speaking to us about how the Messiah was being revealed through the whole of the Old Testament. And suddenly they looked back on what had been a disheartening, depressing, difficult journey and saw it in a brand new light. Is there a difficult, depressing, disappointing journey that as you look back, because you've now seen that he's at work, you see in a brand new light? For some of us, that's our reality. That's what we need uh, today. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? But annoyingly, they don't say exactly what he said because that would be a brilliant sermon. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Has God done something for you that your only response is to get up and tell someone? Now there's a challenge right there sometimes. Because we want to naturally savor the moment. Let's just stay here for a while. Let's finish excuse me, the bread and the wine. Let's at least finish this communion meal. But it's like they leave it, they just, and, and off they go back. Something had happened in them that they couldn't help themselves but go and tell. What has God done for you that you cannot help yourself but even leave your meal, your food, or whatever is most important to you, and, and go back and tell and share? Uh, and they assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared uh, also to Simon. Isn't it a beautiful thing when God does something for you and you realize he's done it for someone else as well? That this is something we share together. This is the journey that we're on together. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So what about you? As you ask questions of this passage today, what are you particularly Observing, So there's a whole load of things there and, and another, you know, hundreds besides that I didn't mention as we wandered through the passage. What is your particular, oh yeah, oh, uh, what are you drawn to this morning? What is it about all those verses that particularly strike a chord with you? Because we believe the Spirit's at work, bringing his word alive. The word of God is, is alive and sharper than a double-edged sword. It it does some stuff when we read it. So what's God's word doing in you right now? Talk to someone uh, around you and just begin to share what struck you. If you don't want to get too personal, you can keep it out there. "Mm, Yes, this this is what struck me about God's word. You don't have to get into the heart stuff straight away unless you're an extrovert and it'll be pouring out already. Go. Right, okay. Okay. Let's just have a, a, a few people share uh, what, what they've been observing, encapsulate your conversation. It just helps give us all a feel of the breadth of what's going on uh, in the room. Yeah, come on now, somebody. He's just, he's, the power of joint testimony. Thank you, Linda. The last bit. Yeah, the joint testimony. Thank you. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And he, if you can live in danger of thinking you're not a main player yeah. and Jesus sought them out, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful that they remain mysterious in a way. Right, it's lovely. Yeah, super. Yes, Nancy. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. 
absolutely. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, great. Let's just see if we can get to it. Try now. We good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the power of breaking bread, you know, because it says in there that they, they recognized. Um, and Jesus said, didn't he, you know, do this in remembrance of me. So when that bread was broken, you know, that was like a remembrance thing. I thought, I just want to add on to what Nancy said because she was talking about communion. So, yeah, that really stuck out. Yeah, I'd echo that. Communion, I think if you've ever had communion in an unusual place, it will be super significant for you. Just a thought. Yeah, Helen. I'll be next. Uh, Kizzy and I uh, both uh, chose the same verse uh, or the same piece. Were you copying? No, no, totally, totally not. We were both silently doing it ourselves. And the verse was that um, when they looked back on Jesus when he broke the bread, ah, yes, of course. And, and we've both said that during our lives, there have been many times when we have felt so far away from God and thought that God just isn't in the circumstances I'm going through. But when you look back on it, there have been little signs and pointers that mm-hmm. actually he was there with you all the time and you weren't on your own. Yeah, and that was, that's really lovely mm-hmm. to hold on to. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, Alan, yeah, go on. Go on. Yeah. Simon, you, you said it yourself, really, but um, I, I really enjoyed the contrast between 18, when they were really dismissive of this guy they were walking with, he, the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard, they almost like despised him or regarded him as zero, through to the verse that mm. we just said, you know, oh my goodness, this is really special, a huge spectrum that went on in one conversation. Good job Jesus sticks around, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome. Um, in our group, we talked about how during difficult times, you could, um, you might not recognize God at the time, but it's sort of like developing your muscles. And the Bible says it develops patience. And the second area is, um, I was wondering why um, Jesus didn't let them recognize him from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think, what I think is that maybe they would have been too familiar and not got the message i'm not quite sure mm-hmm. it's interesting i think our initial reaction is that is that god stopped them recognizing it actually says they were stopped whether it was their own emotions their own experience their own disappointment or it was something that god was doing i don't know we don't know but it's uh, it's interesting to explore sorry barbara just after your birthday as well how could i be so rude well i could see how important it was to Ask Jesus in when when we're reading the scripture um, to to ask him, you know, to to explain to us and and to invite him in and, and really believe that he is in the scriptures. Mm. Um, and the other thing was when you know we go through hard times. Um, I can I'll always remember the the time when when my daughter died suddenly. And she'd only given her life to the Lord about one or two weeks beforehand. Mm. And I was so angry. Mm. You know, how could you do this, mm. Lord? You know, I was so angry. But um, in, in time of prayer, um, he did give me assurance from sure. his word. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. 